Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Inside Curling. We do it each and every week with our two World Curling Hall of Famers, Warren Hansen and Kevin Martin. You know what, Warren, before I start, uh, you and I were chatting last night. You've got to give us this stat about you being Canadian champion in different sports. Yeah, in uh, football and curling. And uh, this is always an interesting week for me because uh, we won our first junior football championship in November 25th, 1962. I was 19 years old, and it was the first of uh, three Canadian championships that we won in a row, uh, the Edmonton Huskies. So and then went on, of course, 10 years later in 1974 to win the Briars. So was able to be at the Canadian level in two separate sports. That is impressive. And where, where did you get your passion for writing? Because you are, you're an excellent writer. He, you fixed up. I sent Warren a thing, Kevin, I wanted to look at uh, for another project I'm doing. He changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> None of the None words, of the words were the same I, nothing the at all. Where, where did you get that passion, Warren, for writing? Well, I guess in school I had that ability, creative. I was a, a good creative writer, and uh, I just sort of started doing it. And uh, going back many years ago, I started writing various curling columns, and then I actually was in the uh, business of being the managing editor of uh, X-Tran Magazine for about 25, 30 years. And uh, I had a very good teacher in uh, Larry Wood, who passed away last February, who was uh, a great writer, and uh, he was my coach and my uh, mentor. Yeah, you're good at it. Yet something else that someone's better than me at, another thing. <laughs> Let's get to the show, man. Uh, we first want to recognize all our sponsors. Sports Interaction, who brings you what is happening around the curling world, Nestle Boost. Sponsor of our email segment, Coyote Tractor. It's called Mailbag. Coyote Tractor, the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics. And Goldline, who brings you in the house. And we have a guest. Here's what's happening. A major event this weekend in Red Deer, featuring a number of the top women's and men's teams. We're going to take a look at that. Something we have uh, not talked about lately is mixed doubles. Uh, there was an event featuring many of the top teams in Canada that took place this past weekend in Leduc. We're going to review that. And our guest, look out, likes the mixed doubles and is participating. The European Championships are taking place. Man, there's a lot going on. The European Championships are taking place this week in Sweden, and we will review what the European Championships are and uh, check in there and see how things are going. Another event, the Canadian Curling Club Championships are underway at West Edmonton Mall, and I may have to go down there and check it out. Hot Rock Topics, a couple weeks ago, Poland was in the news in curling because they were the 70th nation to join the World Curling Federation it wasn't easy, okay? Uh, the history about curling and program and the WCF will be something we're going to look at, but I read that piece last night, uh, Warren, and uh, very interesting. We got an interesting email this week from Rod Rempel in our mailbag segment about curlers placing their hands and knees on the ice during the game. Uh, well, that was when I collapsed. That's when I did it when I tried <laughs> curling, yeah. <laughs> hands, knees, belly, and face. And in the house, we, uh, we have a guest uh, coming up. It's going to be... Jennifer Jones, so don't go away. 
What's happening around the curling world brought to you by Sports Interaction. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make a play at Sports Interaction. You got to be 19 years old and in Ontario. Please play responsibly. The Prism Flow Red Deer Classic was held last week and a number of Tier 1 teams participated. On the men's side, Matt Dunstone, Colton Flash, Brendan Botcher, Kevin Cooey, and from Scotland, not who you think, Ross White. On the women's side, we had Satsuki Fujisawa, Rachel Holman, Caitlin Laws, Casey Scheidinger, and from the U.S., Tabitha Peterson, and from Sweden, Isabel Rana. Kev? Let's talk about the women's first. Coming out of ACE, this is a triple knockout, which means you have two teams that come out of the A event, two teams that come out of B, and then four out of C. So Fujisawa and Holman came out of A. Uh, Tab, uh, Peterson, Tabitha, and Caitlin Laws came out of B. And then Shy Digger, Verana, Hunkin, and uh, Amber Holland came out of C. In the semis, uh, Shy Digger beat Fujisawa 6-3, to three, but listen to on the Holman game. Rachel Holman beat uh, Tabitha Peterson in six ends, and Rachel actually, they won the quarter in seven ends. So they're rolling going into the final. Uh, Holman beat Scheidegger in six ends. So not too bad of a final uh, quarter, semi, and final for Rachel Holman, who ended up winning the event. Year to date, Team Holman are just really, really doing well. You know, we talk about the team looking like they're like they're not comfortable like mm-hmm. to me in my eye but they just keep winning all the time the only team that's ahead of them right now year to date in points is Terranzoni who've had a, an amazing start with their new front end so terrific congratulations to Rachel and to Tracy and and the crew for winning another event let's move over to the men's side so let's talk about the A B and the C a lot of events now are round robin. This, this is not the case in Red Deer. So out of A, you've got uh, Team Botcher and Team Kui came out of A. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riku Yanagisawa came out of B along with Maddie Dunstone. And Ross White, you mentioned him. And Horgan, and that's with uh, Darren Molding, of course, throwing third. Marizumi and Flash came out of C. Dunstone beat Botcher. So, you know, we talked about Team Botcher and they're just having trouble getting rolling. They lost the semi to Dunstone in six ends, didn't get on the board. They got shut out. Yikes. Uh, and then Kevin Cooey ended up beating uh, Young Horgan uh, 6-5, got a deuce in the last end. I talked to Darren Molding yesterday. He's really impressed with this new team. They're coming together. He says right now they're quite young and, and there's a lot of work to be done, but they're, they're getting there. And he's quite excited about uh, you know the next months and months and maybe next year and and the growth this team is showing so that's fantastic in the final Maddie Dunstone just too tough right now Th- these guys are rolling they beat uh, Cooey in the final eight to two in five ends year to date you guys Matt Dunstone's team is 183 points year to date you've got Gushu at 172 Nick Dean, the only team that's ahead of him at 201 it's been Nick and Oscar and they just keep winning everything and then you got Cooey at 145 points. That's your top four this year in the men's side. But uh, Matt Dunstone is really, really doing well with this new crew. Warren, if you were the botcher team, do you start to look at making changes already? I don't think so. They've got to, I think, just figure out how uh, how things are going to go better together. And Kevin can probably confirm this. You, you have times in curling where things just aren't working right for you and you've just got to work through it and, and get yourself back on track and, and get it moving. They're all good players. I don't think that's the issue. Something isn't quite clicking for them. And 
Sometimes it becomes contagious. You uh, have a have a bad week, and then you go out again next week, and you think, okay, this time we're going to do this and this, and then it doesn't happen again, and then you start to start to think about it. And I think that's probably what they're going through. What do, what do you think, Kevin? I talked to you about this, Warren. Well, you and I talk a lot about all kinds of things in curling, but one of them we talked about was I thought Team Botcher was going to come into this year and just win everything for the first two, three months. It hasn't been the case. It just hasn't come around. So I'm I'm confused by it. I'm surprised by it. But you know, obviously, you know they're uh, they're good compared. The whole team are a bunch of all stars. So it's just a matter of I guess getting going. But to your point, Jimmy, sometimes chemistry matters, and we'll see. There's no question the talent. There's absolutely no question about the talent. Yeah. But you know, as a group, can they get you know the ship back up and or the the cart the cart wheels to stop shaking or whatever the case may be? I will see how patient he is, Botcher. The Mixed Doubles is on in Leduc. It is called the Service Expert Shootout, and a number of the Mixed Doubles teams uh, will be shooting for the Canadian title this year. Warren, bring us up to speed. Yes, most of the good Mixed Doubles teams in Canada were there. Some of the best combinations that we're aware of that do exist and uh, could see them competing for the world title and even the Olympics four years from now. In the end, the group of Nancy Martin and Tyrell Griffiths were the winner, and that's the second uh, major event they've won this year. I'm not sure where their world ranking is right now. It's not updated, but going into this event, they were fourth in the world. An interesting uh, twosome that they beat were Kerry Einerson and Brad Jacobs, and it wasn't close. It was 10 to 2. They scored three in the first end and came back with another three in the second. So that uh, combination of Martin Griffiths have been around a few years. They've done very well in the past, and they're really rolling again this year. Some of the other significant teams that qualified for the final eight, Lisa Weagle, John Epping, Laura Walker, Kurt Myers, Jennifer Jones and Brent Lang, Shannon Burchard, John Morris. That's an interesting combination. Johnny Moe has another new partner in mixed doubles. They didn't do all that well in that event, but uh, should be uh, interesting to watch them progress through the year or through the quad. Mm -hmm. And there were actually some international teams in this uh, event as well, and probably the most notable mixed doubles combination of Perrette and Rios, who are from Switzerland, currently ranked number one in the world, were also in attendance at the event. So mixed doubles gathering some momentum. There's a bit of a tour going on this year. That's the second event in the tour. And uh, Martin and Griffiths have won both events so far. Well, Martin and Griffiths, remember, Jimmy, that a lot of people thought they were the ones that should have went to the last Olympic Games instead of uh, right. John and right. Rachel. That was a big controversy. And uh, they've, they're showing that, uh, that, that they are that level. Good for them. Oostersund, Sweden, was the host of the European Curling Championships. Warren, what's going on there? Well, that event's taking place this week in uh, Ostersound, as you so well pronounced. Let's talk a bit about the European Championships because uh, many people maybe don't fully understand what this is all about. So you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had the first ever Pan Continental Championship played in Calgary. Right. And uh, that was to qualify five men's and five women's teams for the World Championships next spring. And that event pretty much involved every continent on the planet where there's curling except Europe. And now we have the European Championships. The Lagreer AOP European Championships are for men's and women's teams, four-person teams, who are trying to qualify for the men's and women's next year through the European zone. These teams or these championships qualify seven teams for the 2023 World Women's and Men's Championships. The European Championships, however, are divided into three divisions, A, B, and C. Teams in the A division are where the teams that are going to participate in the Worlds next year will come from. Also, 
each year, two teams from A are relegated down to B and two from B go up to A. And the same thing happens in the seaside. So right now over in Uster Sound, they are playing the A and B divisions. And next April, they will play the C division. What I find very interesting about this, this, in my opinion, is the way the world championship should be run. And maybe they have to have four, maybe almost five divisions where people go up and down every year. So I find it kind of curious where they find this is an acceptable way to one, run the European championships. And now they're running the pan-continental the same way, but they don't revise this whole thing and have the same format used for the world level, which would take the world level down to 10 teams. And of course, right now it's 13 teams, which is uh, simply too big in my opinion. Anyway, mm -hmm. a topic for another day. Yeah. Let's go to our statistician, Kevin Martin, to uh, tell us how all the teams are doing there. Well, it's kind of exciting, actually, uh, Jimmy. You know, a few shows ago, we talked about how um, new countries are coming on. Every year, there's new countries, new countries. Italy, of course, being one of the really, really strong countries in, in international curling now, which wouldn't have been the case very long ago. Listen to this. Okay, uh, we've got in the women's side, uh, Madeleine Dupont out of Denmark leading the pack at 6-1. and one. And then, of course, you've got Silvana Terenzoni, obviously, 5-1. Right. And then we have a log jam. Italy, Germany, Sweden, Norway, and Turkey. Turkey's what? near the... Yes, what? so Turkey, Dilsat Yildiz, is near the top at four and three. But just one second. That's in the women's side. So you've got Denmark, Switzerland leading the pack. You've got Italy, Sweden, Germany, Norway, and Turkey uh, looking good. Okay? Let's go mm -hmm. into the men's here for just one second. got, of course, Bruce Mowat. No surprise. Undefeated. Right. Joel Retornaz. Italy, again, Stefania Constantini near the top in the women's side. Now you got Joel Retornaz uh, near the top on the men's. Italy's near the top all the time now. They're a force. You got Yannick Schwaller uh, from Switzerland, Oscar Eriksson, Nicodine in front of Sweden, Jurgen Karagaz out of Turkey near the top on the men's side. This is really important, Jimmy. We've got, you're seeing things changing in the world of curling, mm -hmm. and you've got new countries that have just really grasped a hold of this wonderful sport of ours, and they're doing really good at it. So Turkey near the top, and then uh, Sixten uh, Totsik out of uh, Germany as well. That's your kind of, one we taped, that's where teams are at. Now, of course, they're playing again today before our show comes out. Um, there could be a couple of changes, but I just really wanted to stress Turkey doing well in men's and women's. You know, that's like Italy doing well, if you would have asked us 10, 15 years ago. That's what's happening now with Turkey. Italy now is near the top all the time. Well, guess what? Here we go. We got another country coming up through the ranks, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, who would have thought? That's like Egypt doing well in hockey. Turkey doing well in curling, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, <laughs> I, you know, if you grab hold of a game and you want to play, like, you know, what the heck? I, would, I should have mentioned that uh, Daniel Magnuson is uh, filling in at second on Team Sweden because Nick Dean just went through the surgery and he's just recovering. So Oscar's skipping, but uh, they brought in Daniel Magnuson at, uh, at second. So they're not going three-handed. They've got a full squad this week. Because they didn't do well three-handed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Christmas time. Get over to the mall. Uh, time to do some shopping. And you can check out the Canadian Curling Club Championships uh, being held there. Uh, Warren, what, what is it? What is the Canadian Curling Club Championship? Well, let's first of all talk about how it is uh, comprised. On the men's side, the 14 provinces and territories are represented. Well, on the women's side, it seems Yukon and none of it are not there, so there's 12 teams on the women's sides. 
They're playing a two-pool round robin, which will in turn produce eight teams for the playoffs, and it will conclude next weekend. This event isn't that old. I can't remember exactly how old, but I would say it's less than 10 years in, in the happening at the moment. It's an intent to have a national playoff for truly curling club champions. And this was how it was originally developed, which I think was a good idea. But it's kind of slipped a bit, I think, as far as the people are competing in it are maybe not tier one, tier two, but they're just below them in many cases. Anyway, mm -hmm. the rules are each four-person team is allowed to have one player who during the previous three curling season has participated in Canada Cup, Continental Cup, uh, Under-21, Tournament of Hearts, Briar, basically pretty much any one of the major events. And mm -hmm. that same player could have played in a Tier 1 or Tier 2 Grand Slam. So they're trying to keep the the level of it to the, the club-type player, which for the most part has happened, but not totally. So kind of an interesting event. I think it's, it's good for the overall uh, participation in the sport. Kevin, what, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, well, I, I like it a lot. I really think that uh, the Curling Club Championship is is really important to our sport. Now, I do think, though, to your point, Warren, that we want to make sure that people that play on the tour, play in slams, play in playdowns, don't play in uh, in this. I think it right. should be for people that are come out of the club. And that's kind of a tough thing to do. Like, how do you control that? You know, you get somebody who hasn't played for three or four years, uh, but but used to play a lot on the on in the grand slams and big events, they're still really really good, <laughs> just because right. they you don't play on the tour anymore. So that's kind of the the gray area that makes it kind of tricky. But but I'm a big fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Jimmy, you and I'll have to go grab a coffee and go watch some of it. Uh, we had a couple of years putting on events there, and there hasn't been curling since. So it's kind of exciting actually to uh, have curling in the mall. Maybe it was your fault, Kev. You were the last guy to do an event, and they said, forget it. We're never going to do it again. <laughs> we don't do that again. Now, there's one more event we should talk about here briefly before we move on that took place this past week at the Pembina Curling Club in Manitoba, and that's the Canadian Masters Curling Championship for curlers over the age of 60. And this event kind of floats out there because it's not part of the Curling Canada uh, slate of uh, events. Anyway, a couple of pretty familiar people were the winners. On the women's side, Penny Schantz, representing British Columbia. And uh, you may remember Penny played lead for Linda Moore back when they were demonstration in the 1988 Olympics and they won the gold. And on the men's side, a guy who has won a couple of things in his lifetime, Al Hackner from Thunder <laughs> Bay, has become, I think, the third time the Canadian Masters champion. So he's a two-time world champion. I think he won two or three senior men's championships, and now he's into the Masters. Al Hackner, holy man. Way to go, Al. Still loves um, to play. Yeah, well, he started in 1931, right, when he was born. Uh, <laughs> uh, good for him. Uh, there we go. That's uh, what's happening around the curling world. Uh, good job, boys. Nice, nice update. Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, and ZTRs to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. So we talked about Poland becoming the 70th nation to join the WCF, but Bartos Lobaza uh, sent us an email outlining some of the history of curling in Poland and the WCF, and some of this may surprise you, Warren. Uh, take it over. Yeah, thanks, Jim. So I want to uh, go through this because it's a very interesting story. And when we talked about this last week, I should have remembered that, that, that Poland were actually a member of the WCF for a number of years. And there were some issues there a couple of years ago mm -hmm. that uh, 
Well, I'll read the little note that uh, Bartos sent us, and it will tell you more what's going on. Curling was first brought to Poland in 2003, and since that year, the Polish Curling Association, that we refer to as the PCA, was a member of the World Federation. Unfortunately, the people in power in the PCA were not interested in developing curling at all. There is a long list of offenses they committed, and corruption and appropriation of states' money was probably their business. To stay in power, these people extended most of the curling clubs from the structure of the PCA, taking in their place karate and skating clubs just to get votes during elections. Hmm. This led the Polish curlers to assume their own organization, the Polish Curling Clubs Federation. We were developing curling in Poland with our own money. The very first curling hall in Poland was built in 2018 by a private investor. The Polish Curling Clubs Federation was in touch with the WCF and the Polish Ministry of Sport. Both organizations knew about the problems with the PCA, but the law in Poland does not allow to simply replace one association with another. The WCF was supportive of the plea put forward by the Polish group of curlers. So in 2020, the WCF expelled Poland from its structure. So they were expelled from the World Curling Federation in 2020. Mm -hmm. This was a disaster for Polish curling, especially for the men's team, which at that time ranked 15th in the world. Lucky in the middle of 2022, the Polish court decided to dissolve Polish Curling Association. This opened the door for the WCF to be able to accept the Polish Curling Clubs Federation that you already mentioned in your podcast last week. So interesting to note, there are 500 active curlers in Poland, and they do actually have a four-sheet facility. So curling is moving along there quite well. We're glad to see that things have been resolved. But I thought this was an interesting story because this isn't the only place in the world this type of thing has happened. You may recall a couple of years ago, there was a similar incident in Korea regarding, again, some expropriation of funds. Mm -hmm. And I guess we in Canada particularly need to understand that in other parts of the world, things can be a little different and some rather strange things can happen. But interesting, your thoughts on it, Kevin. Well, it's just good to see them back and, and trying to get things organized. And, you know, to their point, saying that uh, their men's team was so strong. So, you know, it's pretty frustrating when you're a young athlete and you're doing well at a sport and then you're not able to, to play because of problems politically. So it's good to see them back. They can get those teams back on the ice and climbing that ladder. And, uh, you know, we just talked about how uh, Italy and Turkey have, have come on so strong. Well, why not Poland? That's... Uh, Increase the amount of teams getting near the top, and the Polish men sound good. There's no doubt when you bring that up, uh, Kevin, about Turkey, uh, you know, it's like, what? I bet there's a bunch of other countries, uh, Kevin, who have some promise now who will be looking at this, who will be looking at joining the WCF. I would. Yeah, we'll just keep building. This is a wonderful time for our sport. It's really exciting. Uh, thank you, Bartos Labaza. I think I got that right. Uh, for your uh, note, we appreciate that. That was Hot Rock Topics. Uh, we do it each and every week. Mailbag brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your day. Uh, and I drink it. I drink a lot of it. Here's an interesting email from Rod Rempel uh, about putting your body parts uh, other than your foot on the ice. I really enjoy your podcast and the expertise you all bring to the discussions. Thanks very much for all you do. My mailbag question. There's a lot of commenting about how the slide path wears away during the game and its impact on the line, but no comments about the impact of curlers calling line from their hands and knees damaging the ice. Do you think it is having a significant impact on the ice? And if so, why is it allowed to continue? This isn't a new thing, but it seems to be much more 
blatant and frequent in recent years with the trend towards calling line from near-prone positions. Well, Rob's serious, man, about this. Uh, thanks a lot, Rod. I don't know if it's getting worse, but it's been a problem for a very long time. Remember Warren uh, Don Bartlett? He'd come out on a hit and the complete spread eagle on the ice. <laughs> you know, Donnie B. But, but there's lots of people that do that and they call. And it, it is important to get up as soon as you can, definitely. Um, remember when he used to make ice years ago and uh, um, after competitive leagues or whatever, the next morning, I'd have to go out there with like cups of hot water and dump them into the handprints and everything. Because when you scrape the ice, of course, if there's a handprint that's deep, you can't get the scraper blade to it. You got to bring the ice up, mm -hmm. up, and get the dirt and stuff out of that out of that hole <laughs> that's made by hands or knees or bellies or you name it. And uh, mm -hmm. it is a factor. There's no question in competitive play. It isn't as common as in club play. Club play, there are lots of people stay on their hands and knees for way too long. Does it happen some in competitive play? Absolutely. Um, not as much, but is it a factor? Abs it is a factor. And uh, mm -hmm. umpires do, though, mention it if, if there's a, a person that stays down too long. The, the, it'll be mentioned to them after the next break or, you know, umpires keep a pretty good eye on that. But is there any solution to it completely? I, I, I don't think so, because just in the heat of the moment, if you're tight to the guard, all of a sudden you might stay down longer, not thinking about it. You know what I mean? You're 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 watching the rock and and the guard and, and the rock trying to come by tight, and you just don't think at the time about it. But it is it is a pretty important factor, actually, Jimmy. That could be my new job, Kev. I could just be there where they stay on the ice too long and just drop kick them. <laughs> Get off the ice. Whack them with a little them yeah. <laughs> Whack them a little bit. Another email we got from uh, Scott Stein. Kevin, you talked a couple weeks ago about starting the rock in the hack from under the armpit. Scott has sent us the following. Hey, could you explain more about starting the rock from under your armpit? <laughs> <laughs> That's a simple, straightforward email. Thank you, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the center of the hack, I don't understand the angles Kevin talks about. You know what? I, I just did a. Um, I just was teaching a couple of uh, schools down in Phoenix um, this last week, and... Uh, um, two two young curlers, uh, Leslie. It was actually her fifteenth birthday at the event, so that was cool. Leslie and Lexus, two girls, uh, were taught to bring it to the middle of the hack, the rock. And so I actually took brooms out and showed them the tangents and showed them the lines of delivery if they throw it that way versus bringing it underneath uh, the crease in their arm, underneath their armpit. And mm -hmm. they got it. And then um, Lexus is 17 and, and Leslie had her 15th birthday there. So young people, but they had understood it. So the idea, biomechanically, it's certainly a stronger position to start the rock underneath the crease in your arm. No question about that. Why is it important? Well, to try to get the angles without confusing everybody, closer you are to the center line where you start, then your outturn tangent, the angle, let's say you're going to the outside 12 foot, the angle mm -hmm. to the outside 12 foot on your outturn and the angle on your intern side, you want those to be as equal as possible. So you, the broom being held, outturn or intern are the same. So right. if you bring it to your toe, that's quite a ways off center line, let's say six inches off center. So if you take the, the, your pie, and you start it from there, your intern's very, very flat to center. And you're going to have a lot of times where we always call it squaring off your intern, but it's, it's going to curl like crazy right away. That's a problem. 
Whereas your outturn is going to skid a long ways because it's very steep. Whereas if you throw from the center line-ish, um, no, obviously females with very narrow shoulders and a guy with very wide shoulders, obviously the, the male will be closer to the center line. But uh, mm-hmm. the idea is that the tangents are more equal, the, the, the angles off of center line. Does that make sense? I do get it, actually. Okay, because that's really important. As far as starting in front of your, uh, underneath your arm, that's the strongest position. I always say when I go to teach a school, I go to carry Shauna's luggage to the car. Like it weighs 93 pounds. <laughs> and there's no, way I could, there's no way I could lift it if it was in front of me or way to the side. I wouldn't be able to lift it. It's too heavy. But if it's right under the crease of my arm, I have the power to be able to lift it. No different than doing a push-up. You're not going to do a push-up in front of your chest. It's very, very difficult. Or really, really wide, it's very difficult. If it's right in front of your, your armpits, then it's, uh, it's a lot easier to do a push-up. And that's kind of just the, uh, the biomechanical uh, explanation. What does your wife bring curling rocks with her? <laughs> 93 pounds or luggage? Well, it might not be exactly 93. I might have exaggerated a little. It's always going to be over the it's limit, always, though. Yeah. You know, it's always going you know, to Even when the, uh, the, the person behind the counter at Air Canada or wherever, when you go to lay your luggage down, you got to kind of hold it up, Warren, and they go, no, no, sir, release the whole thing. You owe us another 40 bucks. I promise <laughs> it's the first bag we put on. Because if it's too much over, <laughs> then we got to move some stuff uh, into one of, you know, I always leave a little extra room in mind because I know what's coming, a makeup bag or two or something and, uh, and lessen that load. You're one of those people, Kevin, where they're on the floor <laughs> sitting there moving crap from one, one piece of luggage to the other. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, I am going to be in trouble. Sean is going to give me heck after this one. That's for sure. We got to bring on a guest. Before we do that, Kevin, we have a shout out. I want to do it now before the end of the show. Our boy Warren, Warren has a birthday this week, or did you already have it, Warren? When's your birthday? No, you. it's your birthday, Jim, this week, not mine. <laughs> My birthday is Saturday coming up. Uh, I'll be 61. Congratulations, Warren. You're going to be 80 this week. Uh, no, no, it's a ways away, Jim. February. <laughs> nice try. I can't do anything. I, I, you know, I'm trying. You know, I got. It's the only way I can get back at you guys. I could have said 95. You know. Uh, uh, great show. It's uh, time. It's time for our guest. Stick around. So Canada's back in the World Cup, and whether you're a footy fanatic or tuning into soccer for the first time, we have the perfect series to accompany our nation's return to the world stage. Oh, go on, man. I'm Henry Standage, and in our new series, Painting the Pitch Red, I'll take you through the thrilling highs and heartbreaking lows of Canada's men's national team. This is the moment the country has waited for! Joining me will be some of the most respected Canadian soccer voices. FIFA the franchise. That video game changed everything here. Just an absolute corrupt CONCACAF. It was like this club you didn't know until you got in it. You know, now when you say you're from Canada, people are asking me about Alfonso Davies. Subscribe to Painting the Pitch Red by Sportsnet to hear Canada's soccer story in full color for the first time. New chapters drop every Canada match day at Qatar 2022. You're on, Jim. I'm. <laughs> there we go. I got two introductions. I got a countdown. I got Warren. Yeah. I'm, I'm always on, Warren. Uh, <laughs> it's time for In the House. It's brought, with a squeaky voice. It's brought to you by Goldline. Goldline curling equipment can be found in pro shops and curling stores all around the world, plus our retail stores in Calgary, London, Scarborough, 
Mississauga, and they've got two stores in Ottawa. Goldline can be found at every Grand Slam of Curling event and online anytime at goldlinecurling.com. In the house, you see, because we're at a house. Still didn't get the doorbell fixed, Kevin. Okay, uh, the guy came over and he he got drunk, so he couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is our guest. Come on in. Um, what we thought we would do would bring on a curler that is just starting out their very young curling career, hasn't accomplished anything yet, and uh, we thought that we would give them some karma, uh, you know, so they can f- fulfill their dream. <laughs> I, I kid, of course. Um, fill, fulfilling dreams, okay? So I'm, I suspect for you curlers, Kevin, it would be, I want to I win my club event, okay? I'm sure that would be the first dream or a high school event or something or your first spiel. Or you can win the 2014 Sochi Gold, okay, at the Olympics. You can do that. You can go through the whole thing undefeated. Uh, the only other person, Kevin, to do that was you at the uh, Vancouver Olympics. How about the 2008-2018 world champion, also a silver and a bronze, uh, represented Canada at the 2022, 16 hard appearances, six victories, obviously six times at the world, 11-time provincial champ, multiple Grand Slam victories, and in 2019 was named the greatest Canadian female skip of all time. And she's a great volleyball player. Jennifer Jones, how are you, Jennifer? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're you're welcome. Uh, that that whole dream thing does that make some sort of sense when you first became a curler? What was your first dream? Oh, yeah. Honestly, like I didn't really. I just like to play. I just like to curl. I was really shy. I just I just really like to be involved in sports. I didn't really have any curling aspirations, like of winning anything big. I just wanted to if I could compete. In the provincials, I was going to be excited. And then if I could even just compete at one Scotty's, um, and here we are years later, and obviously that's evolved into something so much more. Something special. Uh, you're at, we've, we've found you in Edmonton at the Fantasyland Hotel. Do you have a theme room? They have theme rooms. I don't. <laughs> oh, no. No, I don't. I, we're on the Hollywood floor. I've got mirrors everywhere. Very good. So uh, how's it going? Uh, so far, you were here for an event. You're you're at the mall, right? Yeah, Brent and I were playing in a mixed doubles event in Leduc. Mm-hmm. So we lost in the quarters in that um, and then came over straight away to Edmonton, to West Edmonton Mall. And the, um, the Everest Curling Club Championship is happening right now. So it is. Honestly, it's so fun because I'm watching, talking about dreaming. I am watching dreams come true every day. All of these curlers. Uh, yesterday, the team from Saskatchewan, one of the players, 59, has dreamed of always playing in a Canadian championship. And this is his first oh, one. Oh, no way. So to see that, like, shake down and just to see the smiles on their faces. And in West Edmonton Mall, in this great venue, where all these, like, shoppers are stopping by and watching. And it really... It is a dream come true for all of these people, and so it, it's it's fun for me to to see curling through their eyes. I'm I'm having just the best time. Yeah, cool. And of course, Brett Lang is your husband and uh, a great curler in his own right. So, talk about the new team, Jennifer. How it's going, uh, and uh, your year so far, and what lies ahead for you guys. Uh, yeah, so far so good. We had a really good start to the year, which was great. Took a little bit of pressure off, and you know, obviously, the big thing is to make sure you qualify for all the slams. So. We got enough points to, to do that and um, having some fun, working hard, making some changes, trying to figure out what's going to work best. And it's just, they're great teammates, great to be around them. They really want to work hard and, and learn and see if they can be better. And so again, like I get to be immersed in this environment of energy and excitement. And 
seeing curling through their eyes, which I'm really enjoying. So um, year's been going good and we still have two events left before Christmas. We have a slam and we're playing in Morris at a, at an event before the slam. You said maybe making some changes or adjustments as you've played a few events now and, and going to continue, obviously, to play the rest of the year. Yeah, we made we definitely worked hard over the summer and made some technical changes. I know Kevin's all about technical as well. It's kind of a big thing in my world. Um, you want to throw the rock good so you can worry about just making the shot. So we worked a lot in the summer and are still kind of trying to work on that. As successful as the girls um, have been, um, they haven't worked with a lot of technical coaches. So it was, oh. it was fun for them, I think, just to kind of see through different lens and um, obviously I had a great coach and Sheldon and, but just to work with something, you know, from a different perspective. So we've been doing a lot of technical changes and actually um, Glenn Howard, who is our new coach is coming out to Winnipeg oh, wow. um, this week to work with us. And it's fun. Like we're, you know, they're at the start of their career and trying to kind of come up with really good fundamental bases so that again, they can just, worry about trying to achieve success. So we've been working a lot on that and some sweeping changes and just how we want to approach the game. Yeah, that's good you brought Glenn on because there's not enough talent already on your team. So that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been great. We had Victor and Victor Shell and he um, got swept away and went in this coaching Switzerland. So we were very fortunate to start the year that way and then super lucky that Glenn uh, said yes and He's just so great to be around. Mm -hmm. He's just so positive and tons of experience, obviously. And he's learned from the very best throughout the years. So he's teaching us quite a bit. Good good move there. Uh, from one Olympian to another, uh, over to you, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, just down the road from me at West Edmonton Mall. Um, that's been a long time since the curling event was there. You and I curled here, Kev, didn't we? We did a, like a... I remember throwing a rock here with you one day, and I'm trying to remember what it was for. I think it was before... No, that is using my memory again. Um, in 19, I think it was 1996, we were uh, throwing a couple of rocks before uh, Curling International had an event here at West yep. Edmonton Mall. And that was one that uh, Ed Lukewich put on with uh, Wild Bill Hunter and uh, yep. Merv Bodnerchuk, a fella from uh, LA. Uh, anyway, yeah, right. so I think you and I were at the mall, but not for, for curling, but for sled hockey. Right. I think, I think, I know Jimmy, sled hockey. Yeah, I think we tried that. I was very bad at it. It's so tough, that sport. It is so tough. So tough on the core. You've got to be so strong. Not a real strong core, at least not these days. <laughs> anyway, Jennifer, Jennifer, I want to talk to you a little bit about commentating because uh, you've been doing more and more of it with Sportsnet uh, when you can come on with us. But then now now you're doing this whole week. I just kind of want to ask you a little about how you're enjoying it because uh, you're doing quite a lot of it now. And I know you're still trying to play mixed doubles and for a person, but and getting in the booth more and more. Yeah, thank goodness for grandma. That's all I can say. So she's helping out with kids. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I love it. If you asked me what my dream was when I was a little girl, it was probably actually to be in the booth because I would watch curling all the time. I was super shy, never really dreamed of success, I guess. I just love to play and really enjoying being in the booth. It's just fun to see curling from a different perspective and talk about the sport that I loved so much. And it's just a way to continue in the sport eventually when I, I do retire that, you know, it's just a way to be involved. So I'm really enjoying it and having fun this week. Brent was in the booth with me for a couple of days. He just left this morning to relieve uh, grandma of some duties. <laughs> so it's going to be just me on my own in the booth. So that'll be interesting trying to tell stories to myself and uh, see if <laughs> see how that works. But I'm yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's fun to to just even listen to the players and talk to them about their experiences here for sure. And 
um, and then just get to chat about curling and kind of meet people from a different perspective. Have you made the mistake yet of not hitting your mute button uh, when they go to commercial and you're still live? Have you done that yet? I have not done that yet, but I did answer a question on TV yesterday. I found some AirPods outside the booth and I was felt so bad for whoever lost them because they're expensive. Right. So I put it on air just in case anybody was listening and was in the mall. And, but it was our production crew who lost their AirPods. So he came on and told me on the in my ear. And then I answered to all of the viewing audience that we did find some AirPods. <laughs> but other than that, no, I've been good so far on that. Lots of practice with going to the bathroom and being mic'd. Uh, Mike, when you're curling, you got to really, you got to make sure you mute that. So, hey Jennifer, one more, one more thing I want to go to before we let Warren in here, and that's I think there's quite a few parallels here with when Ben and Mark came on my team when they were young. One thing that tried to work hard on was to get Ben and Mark at their age comfortable. I get comfortable. Hmm, I'm, I'm sure that's the right word. Uh, used to. Being in finals in in big situations, um, it's I I don't know what how you feel about this, but it was always different for me if from a say a round robin game to a quarter to a semi to a final, just my brain was different for those big games. I don't know how you approach that, and what can you do to get them ready to win big finals? I guess is probably a way I want to approach it with you. Yeah, no, and that's a great question because you never know until you're in those situations. One thing I've actually been really impressed with is how they get better as the week goes on. And the best games they played are been, have been our finals. So I don't know, and I'm hoping that that's just their way. But we do talk about it and just how they're feeling and you know how to kind of calm nerves and, and figure that out. I think the biggest um, one thing we're talking about is just consistency and starting well and feeling comfortable on the ice from the get-go and and continuing that forward. But yeah, the, the big moments, like that's what I'm trying to share with them is my experiences, how I felt really be vulnerable and put myself out there and let them know when I was their age, this is what I went through. And if I can share some of my experiences, I'm, you know, you're hoping you can close that learning gap just a little bit and they can kind of learn through my experiences rather than having to go through all of the ups and downs themselves. Perfect. Warren, go ahead. Okay. Well, thanks Jennifer for joining us today. Uh, Jim, I first want to mention, not that we have uh, one goat with us today, we have two with Kevin and Jennifer. We both voted in 2019 as the greatest female and male curler of all time. So this is a rare experience today, Jim. we got two goats on the show. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't like to give Kevin too much, Warren. I gave him a little hit at the beginning, okay? <laughs> anyway, so interesting question that many people probably wonder. Uh, you go to the Olympics last year, you have a little bit of trouble there, but it's a very successful quad for you. I mean, that's the pinnacle. You go to the Olympics with a team and uh, is what you aim for for four years. And then all of a sudden, the team isn't around anymore. You've, you've dissolved. What leads to a team that uh, makes it to the Olympics at the end of the quad decide they're not going to play together anymore? I think it was just time um, at the end of the day. I, it wasn't surprising in the sense that we knew Dawn was retiring. Like she was very, she had told us we knew, we knew that was happening. Um, she was just ready to move on to the next stage of her life. I guess you could say be around with her kids. And, and I knew eventually Caitlin wanted to skip. And, and so it just seemed like a, a good time for her to do that. And uh, I wasn't quite ready to retire. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And so this kind of, happen and it's it's been really good for for me and my curling soul I guess you could say I'm having a lot of fun and so it I think it all worked out quite well lots of great memories with those girls for sure and 
and now it's just kind of a different journey in the book. So then you made a decision to go with four young players. Sort of what led to that uh, idea? I know a lot of people were surprised. I, I think it was just, it was actually Brent's, Brent's idea and it seemed to really make a lot of sense to me and just to kind of end my career. I don't know when it's going to end, but end my career kind of the way it started with like, energy and excitement. And we brought Caitlin on. She was just one year out of junior actually. And, um, it was just, I remember really enjoying just seeing curling through her perspective. And obviously I was really impressed with these girls. They went and won the Manitoba Scotties last year on their own. And so it wasn't that they had some experience, but, uh, and I knew they, they curled in a Manitoba, which is what I wanted to do. And so it just seemed to make sense for a lot of reasons. So you've been at this for a long time. I remember pretty well that first big win in St. John's, Newfoundland in 2005 with maybe one of the greatest shots ever to uh, to win a championship, cross-house double to, I believe, score, score four against Jen Hanna. That was 2005. This is now 2022. A lot of winning in between. You're still at it. How do you still have the desire and the killer instinct to want to go out there and keep doing it? That for me has been easy. Like, I just love to play. I think maybe it's because curling's never been about winning for me. Like, it's always just been about the game. Like, I just love being out there. I love competing. That's really what has been my kind of energizer, I guess, throughout the years is just trying to push myself to get better, trying to see, you know, what we can do. And obviously the wins are kind of icing on the cake and they're great and they're fun and I wouldn't give them back for anything. But for me, it's always just been about the game and enjoying the game. And that love of the game has never wavered, never, ever in all of my years. I just love to play. I love to be on the ice. I love the the smell of the ice, the feeling of sliding out. I, I love being a part of a team. And I've always said that I, once I stop wanting to get better, once I stop wanting to practice, then I'll, I won't play anymore. And I still want to do those things. So here I am. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still playing. Okay. So. You and Brent just played in a mixed doubles event, and uh, I'm looking at the rankings in Canada. I think you're currently uh, listed number two in the Canadian rankings for mixed doubles, so I guess you guys are taking this pretty serious. Are you going to take a run and try and get to the Olympics as a mixed doubles player? Yeah, that's the plan. I would That would be pinnacle. Like to, to go to the Olympics one more time with Brent would be amazing, but right now in Canada, you can't do both, so obviously you're you kind of make commitments to your team and see how it works out. Maybe they'll change those rules. But we're playing a lot this year in mixed doubles. We're playing quite well in mixed doubles. It's fun. And it's just fun to be able to spend some time doing what we both love to do with my spouse. And we really enjoy being on the ice together. We're one of the few married couples that have continued. A lot of them started and a lot of them <laughs> dropped off. So. <laughs> Holy man. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> do you think that rule should be changed that you can play in both? Yeah, I've always said that. Yeah. For me personally, like I'm a player who likes to play. You can look at our schedule this year. We're playing like every weekend. I love to play. It helps me play better. And I think it's a massive advantage to be able to go and play like if you were the mixed doubles team to go and play and throw all those draws, Kevin, could you imagine going to the Olympics and throwing all those draws and how comfortable you'd feel throwing draws before team play would start? I mean, there is worry about fatigue, but you've seen how that worked well this year with a lot of the players having success uh, in mixed doubles and then in men's and women's. So for me, yeah, that it would be great for some players. Fatigue may be an issue. So it's just, I think it's a player by player um, discussion. Yeah. Well, I'd love to see that too. I just think when, uh, it's funny, you know, when you get... That was a pretty good statement, though. I like it when a Jennifer Jones comes in and, and uh, says something like, uh, well, w- they might change it. <laughs> there might be a little pressure being put on <laughs> from, from Jennifer. But anyway, I, I agree with you. Um, 
I, I've got to ask you about the scheduling because uh, you mentioned that you're playing almost every weekend. When do you decide this? Like, I was just trying to think it to myself. This was not a question I was going to ask you, but all of a sudden it just tweaked to me. Well, how do you set your schedule? Like, how, how do you make it work with mixed doubles and, and women's play? Playing almost every week, like, the schedule's got to be incredibly difficult. When do you decide this? Maybe like, like the, the end of the year prior or when? It's been a little bit busy this year, and I think that's just because of a new team. We set our schedule in the summer, and Brent and I had some. You know, we've got some partners in mixed doubles as well that you you know you want to make sure you play, and we love to play it. So we set our schedule in the summer. But the brilliant thing is that we have a five person team. So I have taken um, a couple of events off, just so our team has played um, more, and I've taken a couple off, and then the girls rotate a little bit throughout when we're playing. So it does allow a little bit of flexibility. The girls played in Halifax last week and I, I did not join them. It was Isabella's birthday. And so I wanted to be at home and not miss that, which is kind of nice. I missed a lot of her birthdays over the years. And, and then we had one conflict during another event. And so I didn't play one other event with the girls. So we said it in the summer, we wanted to make sure that we had some volume because we wanted to get some experience as a team and go through all those learning curves before the slam started. We wanted to make sure we had some games on the ice and it's really worked well for us this year. And and we also want to make sure we qualified for all those slams. So we needed games similar to what Team Terranzoni did. You can look at how much they played early because they were really trying to solidify their team, their new team. And so we'll see what happens next year and what we decide to do. But again, the beauty of a five-person team is that we can play volume, but it doesn't necessarily need to be volume for every player because we can take some weekends off. Why does my head look so big in the frame? I got to get rid of that. Well, I think it's because it's big. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, I have a lot of knowledge, though, Jennifer. That's why I have a big head. Okay. There's a lot going on up there. You have been curling a long time now. And, uh, you know, obviously there's changes in the sport, uh, probably from everywhere, from the way you have to curl now to the way you, you know, curled when you started. One of the biggest changes, Jennifer, I'm sure in your time is these other countries that are, who've gotten so good, who weren't uh, ever in the, you know, sights of anyone down the road. Uh, but, but there's a lot of competition now. What are your thoughts on that? How did these countries become so good to be able to compete with Canada? You know, the, Asia and, and Italy and some other countries that probably weren't there when you started. Yeah, I mean, China's been around. They won the World Championship in 2009. I think they started. So throughout most of my career, it's been the evolution of curling around the world. You can see it growing. And then obviously they've had a ton of success. Um, I think it's just, I think it's the Olympics, the golden carrot that so countries are investing in curling and seeing that and and trying to figure out a way to get on that podium. And they really invest in one team. They almost live in Canada for the whole curling season. They get immersed in the Canadian curling culture. They work really hard. I think it's great for curling around the world. I think it's been great for the development and evolution of the game and to, to see and even to push the Canadian curlers to, to work harder, to fine tune their game. And it's been fun to be a part of. It's been kind of this evolution throughout my career and you can see it's, I mean, it's as good as it's ever been right now. And, um, I like to think that we we were kind of a little bit of a part of it. The Olympics, good point, yeah. Jennifer, let's go to a, a topic that Kevin and I talk a lot about, and that's the structure of the Briar and the Scotty. So it was recently announced that uh, Curling Canada has increased the number of teams at both events this year to 18, which is in, going to include, I guess, uh, four of the top ranks. What's your thought on that whole process? It's changed a lot uh, during your time of playing 
from 12 teams to now being 18. What do you think it should be? Do you think it should be revised to ensure all the top uh, ranks are in there? Or what's your thoughts on the whole thing? I don't know. I, I The only thing I do know is that I do think they need spots for the top ranked teams. I do. I mean, I look at Manitoba this year on the women's side and we have, I guess, Carrie Anderson's team Canada, but we have four of the top 10 teams in Canada are from Manitoba. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. And even throughout the years, Alberta, you look at like there was Kevin Cooey and Kevin Martin and Randy Furby were all playing at the same time. Right. And so I do believe you need spots for the all the top teams, especially just as the game is evolving, you need to allow them to play in that national championship. I love the round robin true format. I don't like the pools, but I don't know the answer to that then because I, you know, I think they're trying to maintain the integrity of it all with uh, representation from all the provinces and territories while also allowing the top teams to play. I just, I don't love the draw. It's just the pools are not my favorite format. I find it very complicated to follow. It's hard to figure out especially when you go to the next round, like who qualifies and all how it all shakes down. So I don't, I don't know the answers, but I mean, when I'm here at this event at the the curling club championship, it's, this is to me a really good representation of, of the curlers and, and for, for that, for that, um, that carrot, like at the curling club level, they're, they're very excited to be here. And it's just a question of what do we want our Scotties and our Briar to do. And that's to declare your best Canadian team to represent Canada at the Worlds. And so I think you need to have uh, the ability for your top teams to play in it. Should, should all the provinces be included, Jennifer? I don't know. Tough question there. Sorry. Yep. It, no, yeah, it is a tough question. And <laughs> I don't know much, a little bit of a traditionalist. So I love, I love the fact that they are, but in the same breath, if I had to choose between making sure that all the top teams had the ability to compete for the national championship, I'd probably lean that way. As long as there was another venue for another avenue for all of these other teams to compete at a national championship, which is what, what I'm at right now. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I fall on that. I just, I really do believe that you need the ability to play off for your Canadian championship if you're if you're one of the top teams. It's a difficult thing to broach, but I think it needs to be talked about more than it is. And I think a lot of things have to be considered and they've got to take a look at going in a different direction because I think for Canada to stay competitive at the world level uh, and to develop good teams, uh, there has to be more consideration of allowing teams to get together no, no matter where they live to, to form the best in Canada. But... It's not going to change if they don't talk about it, and nobody seems to want to talk about it. So, Well, I was even talking about when I had Isabella. I still worked in Manitoba. I still had to commute back and forth because Brent was playing out of Ontario and I was playing out of Manitoba. And at the time, there was no birthright exemption. So we basically commuted as a family. <laughs> like I would go back and forth. That wasn't really a realistic long-term goal. So there needs to be, you know, it, the way today's world works, you fall in love, you move, you changed provinces or you at the end of the day want to play on the best team and for that the best fit for you and that may not geographically work in terms of uh, residency so i agree with you on that warren there needs to be some thought put into that jennifer you just experienced uh warren giving us the softest take he's ever given on this subject okay (laughs) (laughs) kevin kevin and i hit the deck when someone brings up residency rules it's like oh no over to hanson uh jennifer this was great uh thank thank you so much for coming on and uh it's great to see you in the booth good luck with that um everyone's better off for having you there for sure and uh 
Maybe maybe slow down on the winning, Jennifer. Okay, there's about enough, you know, 1,900 no. things here. Okay, all right, you've got enough. You've done enough. <laughs> Make some room for somebody else. Just kidding. Uh, thanks a lot, Jennifer. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Have fun at the mall. <laughs> oh yeah, actually, I brought a duffel bag so I get all my Christmas shopping done. So I'm off to. Uh, we're going to be here for Black Friday. Just imagine the madness. <laughs> oh, good. Do you know that there's uh, everyone asks how big the mall is, and there's a million different things. Uh, you won't believe this stat. There's 70 shoe stores, seven zero in really? the mall. Seventy different places. Experience them all. I'll I'll do a countdown for you. Merry Christmas. That's my first <laughs> Merry Christmas wish. See you later, Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye. She's competitive. I really believe her when she goes, I, I just like to curl. What I didn't believe her when she says, ah, I don't really care if I win. No, no. Well, then stop winning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that one. If you watch Jennifer Jones play, she doesn't play like a person who is not intent. I mean, Kevin, she might be the best curler on the planet. Uh, as, I mean, who would be second to her? Right. That, that's kind of the argument. If, if she's not the best, then who is? You know, because that's... Uh, you get in late in games, and you need a big shot. That's kind of when you want Jennifer Jones to throw it. Like, she's the type of person that can find that the comfort in having to make a really, really big one at the right time. And there's just not that many athletes who are like that. You remember Jack Nicholson always like that. Mm-hmm. If he was coming down 18 and needed a birdie or an eagle, pretty good chance yeah, yeah. that uh, he'd make it. And that's what, that's what I think Jennifer's like. I'll tell you what else she should do. Uh, she should go into marriage counseling, okay? Anyone who can live together. Okay, and then curl together and practice together and travel together. They've got some sort of secret that 50% of the other people don't. Well, that's a wrap, boys. Uh, Another great show, great guests, great topics, great emails. uh, And you, great listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. We also want to thank Rod Paulson and his company, In-House Strategies, for all the great work that he does on our Facebook page and our group, and he manages uh, emails. Uh, So thank you, Rod, for that. If you don't belong to the Facebook group, join, get in there, take on Warren, and he'll take you on back, Kevin. <laughs> punch, we should call it punch, counter punch. Uh, yes, yes, you well, will. Well, once in a while, we have a little bit of excitement again this yeah, week. It's but if you're the counter punch, Warren, it should be punch, counter punch, counter punch, counter punch, counter punch, counter punch, punch. Anyway, reminder, send us an email. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, inside curling at gmail. And thanks a lot to Sports Interaction, Coyote Boost, and Goldline Curling Equipment. You've been listening to Inside Curling with me, Jungle Jim Jerome, and our two World Curling Hall of Famers, Kevin Martin and Warren Hanson. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy.